Welcome to From Uniforms to Unicorns. This podcast is all about our experience as female corrections officers, our challenges, our triumphs, and our transitions out of the career. Lauren and I have always had a significant bond friends, moms, and business owners that happen to be in prison. Life attempted to separate us, but we always found a way back to each other through huge life milestones, tragedy, and random text messages saying, I thought of you today. We know there's huge curiosity surrounding these topics, and we aren't the only ones that struggle. There are also incredible stories just waiting to be shared, and we want this to be a safe place for us and you to talk about the often unspoken world of corrections. Grab a coffee, head out on a walk, or just take a break. Let me warn you, we have no idea what we're doing. From uniforms to uniforms. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Lauren. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Good. I'm excited to record today as yeah, always. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a fun one today. Um I'm pretty excited. So we've got my buddy Steve Morrissey. Uh I met Steve uh one of the first people I met when we moved to Airdrie and we're very excited to have him on today. Hi Steve. Hi Sharon. Hi Lauren. <laughs> hey, thanks for being here. Oh, not a problem. My my pleasure. <laughs> he's he's out like right now enjoying the wilderness so it's uh we'll see how this goes yeah, awesome. yeah it's pretty yeah it's pretty interesting you can hear the birds you can hear the birds chirping in the background it's all good. Yes. yes awesome so um i'll start off uh talk a little bit about yourself um your uh police officer just tell us how you got into policing so so yeah so policing i guess it's uh it was kind of always a, a bit of a you know, uh, passion ever since I was a little kid, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a rural, uh, town in, uh, in Newfoundland. So, yeah. So if, if you guys need translation services, I don't have those for you. Sometimes I get a little excited and do talk, a little goofy, so. but I grew up in a really, in a really small, uh, small town. And we had, a you know, some local, some local, uh, RCMP that would, uh, that would come by. And I was always fascinated, you know, looking at these guys and, and gals and just going, you know, I, I, I want, I want to do that. So my life didn't kind of take me there right away. I kind of, it took me some time. I was actually, uh, you know, I was around in that period of, I guess, affirmative action for, uh, for the RCMP where, you know, I, I didn't fit the bill. I was a short white male <laughs> and I just, I didn't, I didn't fit. I, yeah, I did. I didn't fit. I didn't fit what they were looking for. So there was a bit of a hiring freeze for a long time. So I kind of went on and did some different things and, uh, ended up, uh, I ended up moving to, uh, moving to Toronto and I lived in, uh, I lived in Toronto for, uh, on and off around 12 to 13 years. And, um, so, so when I was there, I got that bug again, you know, I got to do this again. And then people were like, well, why aren't you going to do like the OPP or, you know, Toronto police or something like that. And I'm like, well, I still had that vision of what I had when I was six, seven years old and uh wanted to be a mountie and uh i don't know if it was the attraction to the red surge or 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 exactly what it was but uh at the end of the day it's kind of what i wanted to do so i ended up uh, going through that uh, going through that process in ontario and uh i got accepted so this was 2009 yeah i got accepted uh through ontario uh to the rcmp and um 
yeah, my first post was in Alberta in Fort McMurray and I uh, went to Fort Mac and did some time up there. And uh, now I'm in the, in the Calgary area. All and, newfies uh, end up in Fort Mac. Is that yeah, not how true? Do. It's, it's, <laughs> well, it's kind of, it's kind of the capital. It's not like as like many Newfoundland. I actually felt I was I, when I got up there. I didn't realize how many newfies were there. I remember I remember arriving up there, and my field trainer looked at me and said, "You got to go to this place called the Newfoundlanders Club." And I'm like, "Okay, why am I going to go there?" He goes, "Well, outside of the fact you're going to go there a lot after the job, <laughs> you're going <laughs> you, you need to go there to meet your meet your your fellow your fellow folks." Anyway, so I I, I mean I checked it out and um yeah it was a it was an exciting ride in, in fort mcmurray for sure and uh yeah now i'm uh, now i'm down into in the calgary zone i've zipped through uh, multiple uh, uh i guess multiple units in my career so far i've uh, i've worked uh, i've worked in uh you know obviously uniform first response general duty i've been in uh plain clothes sections alert uh, I've been with national security. I've been in oh, serious wow. organized crime. I've been in intelligence. I've, yeah. So, and I'm kind of in that intelligence side right now. And, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's, uh, uh, it's rewarding, but, uh, you know, I, I have learned that over the years, uh, policing do come uh, at a price and, uh, yeah, and I guess we'll get into some of that stuff today. Talk yes, about a little bit totally. of it. So, yeah. 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 So how old were you when you became an RCMP member? Well, I was, I was, I was old. I was, well, I don't know. <laughs> I joined, so here's the, here's the craziness. I joined, I joined at, uh, at 35 is when I joined. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, thir- 35 and had a six month old and, uh, oh. you know, a patient wife. And my, my, my wife was, a was, a an intensive care nurse at, uh, St. Mike's hospital in Toronto world renowned prestigious hospital and uh you know she kind of supported me all the way but i mean her family is a policing family as well like you know her her dad was with the royal newfoundland constabulary and uh you know she all her uncles she has uncles that are mounties uncles that are in constab sisters like yeah so she's like the, the, i guess the, the the policing thing was kind of a pass it was there and uh yeah so that's when i started yeah you gotta have a you gotta have a little bit of an understanding when you go into that as a spouse. Like my my husband's a police officer, right? So I, right. because I was a corrections officer, I had an idea of what shift work does to a person, like things like that. So I, I think people that are very unaware um, probably struggle significantly with those decisions. But your you know your wife came from that sort of background yeah, yeah. so she had an idea of what that looks like in a family dynamic dynamic right and like and when you sign up when my husband wanted to be a police officer i'm like we're not going rcmp because i am not moving to fucking butt fuck nowhere just so you know <laughs> <laughs> that is not in my they tell no. you it's a fucking adventure but no, you know, no. that's what they tell my, you my yeah. brother-in-law became an rcmp and he got like four vermilion i remember and they were like pregnant and i was like oh Oh my God, I would die up there. Like there's yeah, no yes. freaking way I could do like good on them. Cause my sister-in-law did it like a champ, but no way. Where's Costco? Where's Costco here? <laughs> there was like, I plain... didn't think there was a gas station in that store. They had to drive like an hour and a half for groceries. I'm like, no, I'm out. I'm out. So. Well, well, you know what I've done? I've done some relief work in the North as well. In, in, uh, in a Callowit and I've been in all these little hubs up around the North 
And, uh, you know, you really get a true appreciation for what these families go through and the sacrifices that they make as families. But to be honest with you, that North gets in your blood and you becomes part of what you do and, and the opportunities. And, uh, oh, yeah. You know, they are, said they'd are, go are back galore, in a heartbeat. So. They're like, we would go back. Yeah. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no they way. get it in their blood. It's like it's like it's like a crazy addiction or something, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, then, and then the people you work with become like pretty much your family and yeah. you get really close to these people. So, I mean, I, sadly, you know, when I went to the North, they had, uh, they, they ended up having uh, a couple of officer shootings in, in one Hamlet. And it was, uh, it was, it was terrible circumstances of going up there. It wasn't just going up because it was something I aspired to do. I was actually going in to kind of help out because they had members and families that had to leave because, you know, there was, they were being shot at stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, these, this is, this is crazy, crazy stuff that happens in these small isolated places. And, uh, so you really get a full appreciation, I think, on what, uh, what these families go through and my hats are off to them that do this on a full-time basis and do it, uh, it truly is a sacrifice and there's no other Absolutely. way to put us right absolutely yeah i was yeah. a hard no on the rcmp through like, no. <laughs> we got red surge <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. yeah yeah you know what I, I don't have i don't have any regrets i think uh you know uh, a career is is what you what you what you make it i mean i i have regrets on maybe some of the stuff i've done earlier in my career in terms of how i uh how i decompressed in life to make sure that my old coconut was doing well mm -hmm. and i think that you got to continue to do that that becomes a daily process and uh, i think that now all police forces rcp included are moving in a better direction in terms of at least trying to recognize on the front end of, um, of, uh, you know, helping, helping you with, with mental health support and stuff like that. Because I, seriously, in some of these small places is some of the most horrific shit you could ever uh, imagine. And, uh, I mean, you guys would know because you'd end up seeing the, <laughs> seeing they'd end up you guys eventually. Yeah. Right? Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I know. I always say to my husband, Oh yeah. Thanks for dealing with them for what? Two hours. Two and then hours. setting yeah. tests. Something. For, yeah, for life, right? Or but, but, I mean, some 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 of the stuff you you, you see and and, uh, and ex are exposed to, you know, it burned the holes in anyone's eyes, really. So, I mean, it is it is. I just think that you know, organizations are getting a little bit better. I think there's okay. way more awareness. There's lots of good stuff certainly going on. Like, uh, like you know. Uh, it's being recognized and accepted more, even like what you guys are doing, which is fantastic, by the way. Like, uh, I've, 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 I've caught some of your stuff. Uh, so I, I commute a lot back and forth between Edmonton and Calgary quite a bit. And uh, so podcasts become a, become a thing for me. So I've, uh, I've, uh, I've listened to some of your stuff in my, in my awesome. journeys. So yeah. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. We got, awesome. and we got really cool stuff coming. Like the factory here. I I'm super excited about. And oh. some of the other people we've talked to uh, already this season that hasn't been released, but it's like, like, yeah it's so fun and so it's gonna be yeah interesting it's gonna be huge right yeah yeah and that's fantastic i'm you know and you got to do this stuff i think if you're doing this stuff it's uh it, it, you know what i i and we'll, we'll probably talk about it a little bit later you know i have a have a friend who's, who's doing something and you know he, he's got the um the analogy basically if, if, if he can help one person if this saves one person one mm -hmm. person in the whole grand scheme of everything, all the energy, that'll be worth it. Mm -hmm. And uh, just like and what you guys are doing. that's the message so much. Yeah. Like we had John, I don't know, do you know who John Archie is? He was CPS for a while and wrote a book. Um, 
wired differently. We had him on the other day. Oh, nice. Uh, nice. Yeah, he's wicked. Yeah. Check him out. Um, but yeah. that was his thing too. He's like, I didn't write a book to save a million people. I wrote a book yeah. to save one save person. One. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. what, yeah. It's the whole message. So, if I can help even one with, person. And even with us, like we, we got some messages, like when we were first doing it, it was a fun passion project. And season one, we started to get some messages, like people wanting to leave corrections and hoping there was life on the other, other side or people who were really struggling. So then it, it got a little like, not that it wasn't serious, but it was more serious for us to get the links out there, to get the stories out there, to get everything out there. So um, people are dealing with their mental health better. And I'm glad you like you touch on a little bit, like I'm glad these larger organizations are looking at it because it's still horrific what's happening, right? We just had you know, another person succumb to PTSD in Calgary. So it's, yeah. it's brutal. And yeah. so what are, what are some of the things you see like in your organization that are different, maybe from even 10 years ago or whenever you I think, started? I think, right? aware, I think awareness. awareness uh, I mean, yeah. P, 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 PTSD was minimally talked about when I joined. And I mean, that was only like, I graduated in 2010. So, I mean, we're not talking you know, eons ago. And I mean, it was barely talked about. It was barely a blip on the radar. I think it's more on the radar now, like, you know, with a combination of things. And, uh, you know, there's been good organizations out there uh, that have been pushing, have been pushing this. And then you see a lot of different advocacy groups that are out there right now that are really uh, are shining the light on us. I still, I still don't think our organization's doing enough. Like, you know, I, I, they're definitely not doing enough, but they're, they're trying. And uh, I think that, you know, they'll continue to try and continue to push it. But like for the RCMP in general, we're a big machine, right? And I'm not speaking, I'm for them. I'm not representing them here today. I'm representing me. But I, you know, uh, I think that, you know, they are doing, they are doing, uh, they're doing their best. And they're, you know, there's always continuous improvement. And uh, this is new. I mean, if we could, if we could find the magic pill that would stop someone from doing harm to themselves, um, I think everyone would take that magic pill or, mm -hmm. or, or, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, where do you get? And I mean, I've lost a close friend to PTSD and, uh, it, uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's not good. It's not, it's not a good feeling, not knowing that you were close to, this, to, to somebody and you weren't able to, you weren't able to, uh, get through when you thought that, you know, you had a relationship enough that, you know, someone will pick up the phone and call you and say, Hey, I'm not okay or whatever. Right. But, um, you know, I'm no doctor, so I'm not going to go deep in the weeds on that, but I think there's still lots of work to be done. And oh, I think absolutely. it starts, it starts, starts, starts with awareness, I think, and, and knowing about it, talking about it and getting rid of the stigma. The stigma is still hard. Yeah. Even in our organization, it's hard in every policing organization. People don't want to come out and say, Hey, you know what? I, I'm, I have a diagnosis or I'm, you know, I struggle from time to time or whatever. They just don't want to because they, they're afraid of the, you know, they're afraid of the persona of, of losing a little bit of toughness maybe, or maybe they're afraid of, they're afraid of not, uh, uh, you know, not being that, that, that shield, I guess, you know, and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, I find it very helpful in my strive to kind of, you know, I find the more I talk about it, the better it works for me. And, uh, I, that took, that took a while for me though. Like, you know, I've seen some stuff and then been involved in some things that left, uh, everlasting memories for me. And, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, 
I, I do my, I do my, uh, I, I do my best, but I think talking about it is big. And it took a long time for me to even come out of the gate and say, well, I'm going to see somebody now on a regular basis just to keep mm-hmm. my coconut straight. Mm-hmm. And I, I took, I, it took me a while to, uh, it took me a while to do that. And I did it, you know, very intensely. Uh, and now it's more of a maintenance thing and I continue to do it. And I tell everyone they should be doing it. Mm-hmm. I talk to my peers about it all the time. My colleagues can say, listen, like, started seeing uh, uh seeing a psychologist and uh, decompressing uh, you know it's a safe place it's to decompress whatever you want if you just had a bad day and you whatever your dog pisses you off you can talk to this person and <laughs> it, it'll 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 help you uh it, it helps to talk about it and uh, so, i've you know by doing that i've been able to uh uh share it with other people So here's my question, because I think a lot of people think, okay, you come out and you, 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 you become aware that something is going on, right? That's kind of how it starts. You're like, oh shit, whether it's Mm -hmm. drinking too much or being too angry or whatever, it's something, something initiates it. Oh shit. So then you go ahead, you speak to someone, you get diagnosed with PTSD. I believe that there is this thought, because I know you still work that, okay, I get diagnosed with PTSD and my career is gone, which I think is where that stigma comes in. Cause it's like, oh, they're going to take my gun. Oh, they're going to take my job. Oh, I'm going to be on desk mm-hmm. duty. And right away your mind goes, there's no way I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. So tell me how this all played out for you and you have your career going forward. Like how, how, tell me about that. I think, I think it's, it, it's, uh, you know, you just you just you just keep going and uh, i think if you have good support of the leadership around you uh they they understand and they, they you know they understand that okay well uh, you also got to make those chess moves to determine where you want to work if you're in a, if you, if you have ptsd for incidents that you can't continue to injure yourself you can't like if you're working i'm just going to be hypothetical you know if if you're working in a homicide unit and uh you know dead bodies and all that stuff and the deaths and the destruction that you see and as a homicide cop becomes a problem well maybe you shouldn't stay in homicide maybe you should find something else where you have a passion and you also need to have some outlets right i think the biggest thing to protect yourself is 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 recognizing that right and i i I, i'm not going to shy away and say that you know i had an aha moment my aha moment was my wife and she said it's time for you to you know, check, check a few things. And I said, okay, well, you know, and you know, my wife has probably seen and done more carnage than you could imagine. She's been an intensive care nurse for, you know, 15 years and, uh, have seen it all. I mean, I remember her coming home from work saying, Hey, I, you know, last night sucked, you know, we wrapped six bodies last night. Like that's not normal. No. <laughs> no. You know, that's, that's not normal. And, uh, you know, uh, by the way, she's super strong. She's the, she's the, she, she pushed me and supported me along the way to get me to say, Hey, you know what? Go out and take care of your, take care of your coconut and make sure you're healthy and safe. And, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, again, talking to a lot of people. And for me, decompressing mm-hmm. is huge. I'm up in the woods. This is a happy place for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a musician. So, uh, a huge part of, for me is music. So all my time in Fort McMurray, people didn't even knew I played. I was going to say, so when did music come back into your life? Right. 
music's been a part of my life since I've been a child. And then it kind of went on hiatus for a while, just due to jobs and whatever. And then ended up in, you know, Fort McMurray and, you know, the local cop running around Fort McMurray playing music. is just not something that I felt I was going to do. And I kind of left it. And then uh, things kind of compress over time and it build up, build up, build up. And then, you know, I, I it just kind of happened when I moved down into the city. It seemed that uh, I had a little, I don't know if it was more time on my hands or what it was, but I felt a little bit more relaxed. And I was around good friends. Uh, I'm in the Calgary area where I'm living. I have friends there that I've known for 25 years. And uh, some of them are, are Calgary police, actually. And then I have some that are not. And they got nothing to do with policing. And these people are like family. And being able to talk to them and having them to support me, as, as well as it helped me develop back into the music side of things. So I said, you know what? I want to play music again. I really do. And I, I, uh, I started playing music again. And I, I didn't even know how my organization would take to it, but you know, it's, it's, it's my hobby and it's my thing. And it's my, it's my safe place that keeps me happy. So I, uh, I started, I just, I just, it just happened. <laughs> to be honest with you, Lauren, I can't even give you a good answer. It just happened. And next thing you know, you you come from the campfire guitar player to uh, all of a sudden, you know, I'm playing in front of uh, lots of people. And uh, uh, yeah, and then I, I like to sit around the campfire and not poke fun at people, but my write songs about them on the fly. And people are like, you know, crazy I can't wait till I hang out with you at a campfire. Oh, yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's absolutely crazy. And I fucking roast people at the fire. Like, <laughs> you're not allowed to do anything. A few minutes ago, a friend of mine was just p- picking up some, uh, picking up some garbage around his trailer. And, uh, he, he he fell and it uh, the cans went all over the place. So it's a song coming out of that like later on. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, but uh, anyway, uh, so got back into playing. I love it. And then you know they were saying, "Well, you're so creative. Like we should be writing songs." So I decided to to, to dabble in that. And I've been finding that uh, my writing uh, now, which is something I've never done before, is kind of explode us. Um, I have loads of stuff in my head and I have loads of stuff on paper and uh, it's really helped me um, express some of my feelings. And yeah, uh, that, that's, that's awesome because so we hear yeah. that so often, hey? Lots of people yeah. talk about writing and getting out that story and piecing the pieces together, right? Because we know when we go through trauma, lots of times we forget a, chunks of our life, right? Mm-hmm. We yeah. forget those things and then we start writing and we're like, oh yeah, that happened. And then this happened and then this led me here. And wow, it's so, and yours coming out as music is something we haven't heard yet. Like we no, haven't, we... which I think is really cool because everyone has very different outlets and very different ways of, expressing what they've been through and we haven't heard music before but i i was telling sharon before you came on i had this like psychic reading done last thursday and i'm 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 a concert lover i love god i know i know i won't tell you the whole thing but well that's that's from campfire that's campfire then she wrote me a song about that uh, (laughs) it was it was very interesting because i'm i love concerts and that's probably concerts and travel is like the whole covid thing for me this is like killing me um absolutely so I was like in the psychic reading, my aunt was like, 
just play more music. You don't have to go to a concert to enjoy music. I love live music, but just play more music was one of the things she had said. And literally on Friday, I started cleaning the house and normally I would just clean the house, but I did it to music and I was like, oh yeah, this is what I needed. Yeah. This, this is, is like, yeah. I, I needed that reminder because I always listened to music before, but it's just kind of slipped away again, right? So mm -hmm. it's pure yeah. medicine. I remember, oh. you know, as a kid, I remember as a kid being, uh, you know, lying on my bed, like, you know, I'd get in trouble, mom, it's, whatever the fuck I did. I don't know. Go, go chill out or whatever. I'd take my guitar and I'd lie back on the bed and I'd actually play myself to sleep. And I just, just like, just sitting back, just playing guitar and I'd actually play myself to sleep. So I guess the therapy of music for me kind of came early and I didn't really realize it now as I play even more. And I love to make people laugh or I love to make my music feels good. I remember, and I'll, I'll tell you about the song I wrote and uh, one that's getting some attention yes. here shortly, but we'll get into that. But I, I, I like to see people happy. And when I play live and I play in bands and I, I have an Irish Celtic band that I play in and just to watch people smile and laugh and dance. It really, really does a lot for my coconut. Uh, it really does. And uh, so when I wrote the, the song, so I, should I go there now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's go. Yes, yeah. So, so I wrote this song called "Road," and um, it's kind of a song. Uh, you know, it's not fully based on you know first responders or anything of that nature. I think it's anybody because I kind of wrote it about heroes in terms of who they are, and I'll tell you the background to it. So we had uh, the horrific events that happened in Nova Scotia, and um, you know, I remember I was sitting. It was the pandemic was just starting at this same time. And uh, I was sitting on my couch and I was watching televised uh, procession of uh, Constable Heidi Stevenson's body. And uh, and then, you know, I was watching that on, on TV and, and my little my little girl came out. Ellie's her name. And uh, I mean, Ellie's she's eight. Right. So she was seven. She was seven then. And she walked out and she looked at me and I, I guess I was kind of feeling it because I didn't look very happy. And she said, Dad, you know, why do you look so sad? And like, what's what are you watching? And I like I try to shield my kids from some of that stuff. News, you know, kind of get that Lucas Nelson feel to turn off the news, and build a garden. Like I don't try to watch a lot of news anymore because I find it depressing. But uh, yeah, I she looked at me. She said, why are you so sad, Dad? And, and I said, you know, we. Uh, we lost it. We lost a hero uh, this week. You know, she looked at me and she said, you know, why do heroes have to die? And I'm like, you know, these are difficult questions to have to talk to a young child about. But, you know, they are. But I so I picked up a pen and a piece of paper and I actually wrote it down. And that ended up uh, in conjunction turning into the song, uh, The Road, which kind of, you know, I have it written. Uh, with some of those contexts in mind, but I mean, a hero could be anyone. It could be your grandma, your grandpa, your dog. It could be your hero. Mm -hmm. uh, it's whatever. It's whatever your hero wants to be. And kind of the story tells. You know, if, if you if you listen to it, it uh, it talks you through being young, being middle aged, and then being old, and really what it's all about. And uh, you know, heroes can be anybody. It can be you and me. It can be whatever whatever that is. But um, yeah, so I wrote that song, and when I when I wrote the song, um, my initial thought was, you know, this might help somebody. Maybe maybe somebody might like this song. So I started to put it out there, and it's you know it's available on all platforms and stuff. But I kind of put it out there and said, um, 
anything I make off of this song, because I, you know, I don't really know too much about that side of it. I'm not a, you know, international recording artist or anything by any means. But I said, you know, we can, I can flip this money to Canadian Men Mental Health Association or someone of that nature. So I did contact them, and you know, I, I think it'll take so much time before I even figure out if I made any money on this song whatsoever mm -hmm. to, cause it's, you know, but I, you know, that was where, where I kind of laid my, laid my hat on, uh, for the initial launch of that song. And I said, for the initial launch of that song, if there's any money ever made on that song, you know, whether it's airplay or whether it's whatever you, you can, you know, they could have it to put it towards mental health. And I remember posting this song and it got shared on a, uh, on a group for, Nova Scotia musicians or something. And I had, I had a, I had a very passionate uh, email written to me by a family member of, uh, of somebody that was lost in the Nova Scotia fiasco. And um, I, uh, in that tragedy, and it really touched me again because it made me feel good. And they said that they really feel, feel something from that song and they really appreciate it. Uh, you know, the efforts I did with that song and, and what my vision was and, and, so again, it, it's back to the, you know, if you can affect one person. Right. And so that song to me has done its job just mm -hmm. from that one email. I don't think that this person really knows what it meant to me. And uh, I'm very, very happy to know that, you know, this, this, this one, uh, this one person in Nova Scotia felt something from that song. So if it moved them, it moved, it certainly did what I, required for me <laughs> absolutely and we're we're going to share this song uh on the episode once it's released and i've heard it and it's amazing and it's also really cool that i i know this guy right <laughs> i know this guy that wrote this song it's every it's like we're famous now we're famous yeah oh, i know right i know right it's, it's, it's really it's really funny so 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 then so uh carrying on with the song so i it got you know get some airplay and uh I, you know, I've done some interviews with uh, some radio stations in Newfoundland and, uh, you know, the, the motherland is kind of supporting me a little bit on it. And uh, so a uh, good friend of mine, uh, Chad Kennedy, he's running this uh, national uh, walk in awareness for PTSD and it's C to C for PTSD. And, and Chad's, uh, Chad's an Alberta sheriff and I knew him from my Fort, Fort McMurray days. And uh, he called me up and he said, you know, Steve, I really like your song. You know, what's the chances of us using this song as a national kind of motivation song for us to walk across Canada? And I'm completely ecstatic. So now I've thrown my energy behind that and really want him to succeed with that awareness piece. Again, if I can help another person now, I'll be happy again. Yeah, right. Yeah. And we get, we get to yeah. interview Chad tomorrow. So thank you for setting that up. That's yeah, yeah that's not, not a not a problem he's he's a wonderful person and uh uh he's yeah he's you'll have a good time chatting with him for sure <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i can't wait to learn more about that so yeah yeah, yeah so but that but so that's it i mean the, the, you know the the crux of it is is that this music for me is what really keeps me straight and keeps me uh in a good headspace i think i'm in the best headspace i've been in in my life right now that's yeah. so good. Yeah, and so it's, it's, it's true though. Like music is is therapy, whatever that looks like for you. Like like you said, cleaning your house, listening to music, writing, 
writing songs, playing song, all of that stuff, yeah. right? It's, mm -hmm. I, I always wonder like what people do to protect, like you said, their coconut, right? And this is yeah. a huge one, right? And it, it's forgotten sometimes It's too. forgotten, like yeah. so forgotten. Yeah. I feel like, and I, for, I forgot it in COVID because I am, you know, we're, we love concerts. We would, we would like anytime there was a concert, we were like, yeah, let's go. Who are we inviting? Yeah. Who are we taking with us? It was like yeah. our, our social thing. And now that we haven't been able to have it, like luckily, you know, the internet has provided us with some extra things, but even like I turned 40 in January and I'm like, we're going to a concert. Like, yeah. as as we can go to a concert. I am. You might have to go to you might have to go to Australia. Yeah, okay. you can go to Australia. <laughs> I have hopefully to Australia. World, <laughs> you know, hopefully the world will get back to normal soon. Oh. You know, I know, like, so, like, so I told you before, is I play. Uh, I have an Irish Celtic band, Morrissey's Private Stock, and um, uh, you can you can check that out. Here's a plug: yes. www.morrisseysprivatestock.ca. And okay. so. Yeah, so uh, with that with that band, and I, I got another. There's a good fella, a good friend of mine. I've known for years and years. He's from uh, Calgary Police, actually. He plays in that band with me, and I play with a couple of other. Another good friend who I've known for probably 30 years, and then uh, I have uh, two older lads that play with me that are just absolutely been in the music industry for 50 years, and they're amazing. Uh, and we we play music, and we've done like we've done fundraisers, like we're really big charity group. Like we'll do fundraisers for good causes. Uh, I've supported Legacy Place on some uh, on some 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 adventures. We did a live stream uh, concert last May, raised like oh, five cool. grand, yeah, for really? uh, for Legacy Place. And we're actually putting uh, we're actually going to do a do a tribute at uh, Legacy Place grounds for. Uh, uh, for a for fallen friend of ours at, uh, at some point with some of those funds that were raised. And so, I mean, we, we like to do that stuff. And, and to be honest with you, it, it has devastated. This pandemic has devastated yeah. the live music scene in Absolutely. Canada and the world, really. Mm -hmm. And um, like we had loads of gigs and we do a lot of like festivals and, yeah. uh, you know, East Coast festivals. Um, you know, we're not much of a club pub band anymore i mean i don't that that doesn't work well in my career but um it 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 to, to, to play live and make people happy in uh in a park or at a festival or then doing a charity event um we love that stuff and uh we haven't we've we haven't been able to do any of it and it's been mm -hmm. i think all of us are hurting because there's not even a good platform to play on zoom like i can pull up everyone on zoom and we can try to break out our guitars but you just can't do it. With it's the not the same. Yeah, not it's just not, it's the, not the yeah. same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not the same. Yeah. yeah, and like you said, like the technology just isn't there. It's cutting out every 15 seconds. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> Forget it. Absolutely bonkers. But, you know, I've, I've, I've got a little studio in my house now. My wife is happy. I don't have instruments all over my house. So, oh, uh, good. I, and I'm, I'm all confined to a, to a little studio in my house. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm writing and... Uh, you know, I, I lost my best friend, well, not to PTSD, but of, to mental health uh, and uh, mental health issues. And, and a few years ago, I'm writing a tribute to him now as well. And I, again, this is the therapy for me. As soon as I see something weird, I'm pen and paper in my hand and I'm, I'm, or I'm writing it on my phone or I'm recording. I could be whatever. I'll just walk along in the mall and I'll see something and I'll just type it into my notes on my phone and... That might be your song later on. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. But and I try collecting that. those things is therapeutic too, right? Even uh, if you never yeah. write anything about it, it's 
Yeah. Yeah. And I find too, like, I just, I like to challenge myself, right? I like to play stuff that sometimes is, is challenging for me just to learn something new. Because I think if I'm doing something that's uh, preoccupying me and, you know, uh, it, it, it helps. Right. But I can't help but mention too, one other thing that you got to do. Right. So I, I, I got myself a golden doodle. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's a fat, it's the family dog, but the dog has been uh, really good in my life for getting me off my ass and getting out the door and lots of walks. And, you know, when you, when you're walking with a dog and this dog adores me and uh, you know, it, it, it also, it also just really helps helps me uh uh you know gather your thoughts so that if 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 you have ideas of of what you want to write or you know what your next song could be uh those spaces are sometimes good spaces to uh to be in right mm -hmm. for sure that I, we have a dog too and he's yeah he's exactly like he's a four pound morky but i mean that's exactly, <laughs> but yeah. he, he gets me out like the he's black so yesterday we were out walking and he was like so hot. It was so hot, hot yesterday. Yeah. And so this morning at like 6 a.m., I'm like, I can't walk him in the heat again. So we were up out for a walk because I'm like, mm -hmm. he won't be panting. He won't be, you know, stopping every five seconds. And he did amazing. <laughs> he did like a full hour this morning. So I'm like, okay, buddy, we're doing them bright and early from now on because this is where we both thrive. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, it's, you have to do things for yourself. You got to think about yourself a little bit sometimes and yeah. uh, mm -hmm. you have some me time. Right. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes we think that's selfish, right? Yeah, that, we do. But I know, I know for me and I preach this all the time, morning routine is like my, my golden it was an hour. Now it's two hours. I get up two hours before everybody else in my family. Cause I'm like an hour is just not enough. But not only do I thrive, my kids thrive. My husband thrives. I'm happier. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've gotten through, you know, my self care before anyone gets up in the morning. And lots of people are like, well, doesn't that piss you off? And I'm like, let me tell you the first couple of weeks I was like, why the fuck would I have to get up before everybody else and manage the house and manage my mental health? And yeah, it was, but then it's just like, once you start to do it, you're like, Oh, this is it. This is the mm -hmm. ticket to, to, you know, making sure I'm in the right space for when my kids get up before it was like, come on, we gotta go. Everybody get ready. Now it's like, <laughs> I'm ready. So I just, I have to focus on them now rather than focusing on me. Cause I've just done that. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a big deal, right? When you find those things like music or morning routine or whatever you, you have to find ways to get those in and make sure they're a priority or we forget them. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I couldn't agree with you anymore. You yeah. have to do those things. Yeah. You got to do it. You got to do it. Yeah. And your relationships are different, you know, with your kids and your wife and your, mm -hmm. your friends, when you are taking care of yourself better. And we, we, and Sharon, I've talked about this as women, we think, Oh, we can't do that because it's yeah. whatever. Um, but we, I'm such a better mom when I am, when I'm taking care of, I'm such a better wife when I am taking care of. Right. So, yeah. Yep. yeah. Yep. And I don't need anyone to take care of me. I just have to make sure that I take care of me first. Mm -hmm. Um, well or just if your husband picks up after himself and cleans yeah, the house from I now and again, I feed you coffee. <laughs> oh yeah, my husband uh, every every day shift he will drop off a coffee at the house. That's like it's yeah, our that's good. it's our little, little thing. But thing. I drop yeah. off smoothies at work, you know. So we have this, but yeah, yeah, it, it's helpful. That's great. That's so good. It's so good. Yeah. 
Awesome. Um, I just want to plug my homie, Gina, like his uh, wife. Uh, we met uh, right when our daughters are, so you're Steve's older daughter and mine were in grade one. So Summer and Lila, if we don't say their names, they'll kill us, right? And, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and we met and just instantly clicked because she is an amazing person. And if you listened in the, I think, season one, when I bring up the girl guides, like I did that with yeah. Gina and some uh, of the stories where she's like, you look like a guard right now. Stop it. That was Gina. So it's, it's hilarious. And she's such Gina's a, got to keep everyone in check. She's got to keep oh, us all in line. Cause she was like, you're, you're, it's not a corrections. The kids are playing tag, like chill out. Right. There's not a fight going to break out. And I looked at her like, you're right. You're right. I got to chill out. Right. It's girl guides. It's not whatever. <laughs> it's not women's Basketball prison. Right? The women's prison. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's, she's, she's just so strong too. Like unreal. Like watch what she does for a living. Is, so how has is, the pandemic been on her? Well, well, actually the pandemic has been absolutely crazy for her. So she's in a, in a, in a high level role with AHS now still in the critical care side, but it's uh, um, very involved in the pandemic. So, you know, there was a period when this all started, I don't think I hardly seen her. Like she went into her office at, at home and, and uh, you know, she'd work 15 hours a day, sometimes meeting after meeting, after meeting, after meeting, after meeting, you know, just a, uh, to Alberta's response to this uh, pandemic and stuff. So, yeah, and yeah, she's 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 my rock. There's no doubt about it. She'll she'll adjust me every now and again. Like when I'm getting a certain period of stress, is like, listen, take your fucking guitar and go play, <laughs> or go see your therapist. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's like it's yeah it's yeah she's you got to have a good support system support mm -hmm. system is super important friends family whoever it is right and uh, yeah uh, it's uh, i think it you just you just i don't know you need you need you need it it's yeah it's so someone someone to notice right that yeah like even like when i think back to working in corrections some of the things I wish I would have noticed right like you know you seem a little off buddy like or yeah you know, let's not go for a drink today. Let's go do something else, yeah. right? There's things like, yeah, to notice somebody's slipping through the cracks, right? And, you know, you could have helped more people back then. Yeah. So. It is, and it's and that's such a thing. Go for drinks, wings, whatever. Like, and some people, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a huge deal that spirals them off the fucking rails more than anything else right mm -hmm. you know i talked to uh, i talked to uh you know an acquaintance i know who's a police officer and um you know recently realized that they're a chronic alcoholic and it was because of being in small town and you know they didn't do anything and when they played they played really hard and it turned to him to being a you know a really bad drunk to the point where you know had to go to rehab and, and straighten up their life and like now missing the social side of work where after you know the shift and you know life mm -hmm. is good now and this person is healthy and taking care of themselves and, and you know survived but then they're like well fuck how do you do you go for wings and beer after work everyone's going out for wings and beer after shift or whatever and you know Mm -hmm. this person has to go and drink water or whatever mm -hmm. or pop or whatever but like it's it's a challenge like so you know again that person when we've had the discussions and i you know i was talking about how music for me was a big deal you know for them it's like running 
and uh, you know training for an Ironman. Mm-hmm, you, you, mm-hmm. you do focus. you do change the focus. Yeah. Yep. Listen, mm-hmm. whatever whatever keeps you going, man. Whatever keeps your wheels rolling, you got to do it right. And mm-hmm. uh, you got to whatever you got to you got to do whatever you know keeps mm-hmm. the coconuts from falling off the tree. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that focus yeah. piece is like, we, we did an interview the other day with another guy who talked about like just changing the identity where he was yeah. like a massive alcoholic. And, yeah. uh, he said like, I just had to change the, who I was. And I was like, I'm yeah. going to become this person now. And these are yeah. the things I have to do. And alcohol wasn't involved in that. And mm-hmm. I know the same thing for me. Like I, I didn't realize I was an alcohol, like I was an alcoholic until I found out I was pregnant. And I was like, Oh, how am I not going to drink for nine months? This is going to be almost impossible. Mm-hmm. That was, that was yeah. like my first thought, like alcohol helps me yeah. sleep. So how am I going to go to sleep yeah. now? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. But it had never yeah. dawned on me before that. I just drank mm-hmm. alcohol and took pills and no big deal. But now no it's like, well, deal. now I have to, now I'm growing a baby. That's no, no longer an option. I'm yeah, going to have to come up with yeah. me. Yeah, that's a no. <laughs> that's a no. That's a hard no, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. Well, you know what? Good for you. I mean, you got it. You got to find too. You know, whatever, whatever, uh, uh, whatever makes you want to get up in the morning and and, and mm-hmm. keep keep you rolling, right? And uh, yeah, there's, you got to mm-hmm. take. You got to take. You got to take care of things, right? Yeah. 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 Sure. Okay, Sharon, ask him the question. Ask yeah, him I've got the, the oh, question. Yeah. Dun, dun, so dun. I know um, we've been asking everyone this year, uh, basically, what are you living for? What am I living for? I'm living, I think I'm, I'm, I'm living, I'm living for my kids. I'm living for my family. I'm living to create a, I, I, I want to be, I want to, I can't, I'm not going to go off this big tangent and say, I want to make a difference and I want to change the fucking world. Cause that's not going to happen. <laughs> but you know what, if I could, if, if someone could look back and say, you know what, I, I, I remember when I'm whatever, if I'm dead and gone and I'm, I live to be 205. Um, Steve was a good guy. He was a good friend. He, he, he was a good, uh, role model. He did things to help people. He, he had a, he had a good heart. He was charity. Uh, he changed, he changed my thought process on something. Uh, they kept me from maybe doing something to myself. So what am I living for? I'm, I'm, I'm living to live a legacy. I think that, uh, that my kids will be proud of and that my, you know, that I can, anyone can be proud of saying, Hey, he's a good guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think you're already there, Steve. You're already you're there. already there. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm trying. I'm trying. That's a, you know what? I find lots of people we've talked to too is like contribution is massive, right? Like mm-hmm. contributing, um, showing up for something bigger than themselves. But the yeah. biggest pieces too, when we interviewed uh, combat divas, it was like you have to focus on yourself first. So you have to live for yourself first. Mm-hmm. Yes. Gain that piece of contribution and legacy, yeah. right? Like so interesting. It's so cool. Oh. It's so good. And yeah. I'm not sure if I if I didn't if I didn't uh, you know have change some of my course of direction. I don't know where I would have ended up today. You know, like so. Uh, I think you do have to live for yourself. That is, you once you figure yourself out a little bit you know what makes you tick like i know when i'm getting amped up now i i know i can feel it i know where i'm going and i know what i got to do and got to do now to fix right mm-hmm. so that's mm-hmm. i find that that stuff is 
is important to know yourself. You got to know, you got to know yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Build that resiliency through challenges and obstacles. And like, you're like, I'm in a good space now, which I, I'm always like, yes, I love, I love it when people say that, but I'm like, okay, so what's coming next. Right. Cause we yeah. always end up in this space and then there's always something that will come and challenge us. Right. Like I, uh, I talk a lot about, cause I had cancer in 2017 and I was in such oh, a oh. good space. And then all yeah. of a sudden it's like, Oh, you have cancer. I'm like, well, great. Of course I have cancer, right? I was like feeling freaking amazing. And then it's yeah. like, oh, well, how are you going to deal with this, Lauren? And it was, it was good. The stuff that I went through in my life prior to being diagnosed was like all the things I needed to be mm -hmm. diagnosed with cancer to get me through that quicker and get me through, you know? So it's like, I always, I'm like, okay, what's next? I'm always anticipating, which is not great either, but always no. like, oh, I'm in a good spot. So I'm just waiting for the next obstacle to show up. Right. But, um, well, I think, I think everyone kind of fucking sits around and goes waiting for a shoe to drop. There's always something going to happen. <laughs> we're trained like that. Too, we're right? trained. That's what I was going to yeah. say. Like, that's what we're trained for. Anticipate. Don't be complacent. You have to be ready. Like expect yeah. the worst. Like uh, there's a full moon, right? Yeah. So we're, we're fucking, trained to be like happening. that. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. when you are calm and doing this, you're like, the shit's coming, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Be ready. There's, Brace for it. Yeah. There's a there's a shit storm. Put on the helmet and the goggles. You're gonna, exactly. you're gonna go through. Yeah. You got you got you got to figure out how to get through it, right? Yeah. And if yeah. if if getting through it is Run, learn, fucking running 5k we'll go run 5k getting yeah. through it is picking up a guitar and singing shit about your friends we'll do that so if, yeah. if, it's, <laughs> you know, if, if it's if it's pick I up might your have guitar, pissed you off but i feel really <laughs> fucking good right now yeah <laughs> i got i got a, i got a good i got a good friend of mine he recently bought a boat and he he tried it out for a second trip and he forgot to put the plug in the boat. Oh, and, we've done uh, that. Fucking... We had a boat the whole month. My dad's got a hundred times. It almost sung. Oh, it almost sunk. And, and and so fucking he gets his boat, he gets his boat in. And uh anyway, so I'm I'm I he's not finding it amusing. I'm not there. I'm hearing about this. And but I find it amusing and uh he might not find it amusing, but I have so much fucking material now to write song about him. <laughs> but, but you know what? He's one. He's one. He's one of my. He's one of my close buddies, and uh, um, yeah, it's <laughs> again whatever that shit storm is brewing. You need to have a backup plan, and your yep. backup plan needs to be your go-to. You got to have a go-to something. Yeah, a little, like, yeah. Fine, have those little parachute. Yeah, ready to go, and be have them at your disposal when you need them. Right. Well, I think all my friends and people who would know me close, and I have a pretty large circle, I think, of, of acquaintances and friends and stuff like that. And if people seen me like go off into the distance and never fucking play the guitar and not play music and stuff, that's when I think people would want to knock on my door and say, "Are you all right, buddy?" Like, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, so I think, you know, people knowing, knowing your, uh, what you got going on and that closeness and that open communication really, really helps. Right. So, uh, it keeps, it, it keeps, uh, yeah, keeps you, keeps you rolling. Yeah. Keeps life interesting. <laughs> keeps us. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Oh, well, thank you so much, Steve. Honestly, awesome. this is such a good conversation. I'm so excited. And, uh, 
I'm coming camping with you, just so you know. Well, you know what? You can go come camping. But you, you've told me enough in this interview. I've already got two verses written. So, <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. My memory, my memory is pretty damn good when it comes to music. So, oh good, yeah. oh good. Yeah. Oh no. Well, well, yeah, improv, again. improv. Listen, yeah, you know, thanks, thanks for having me on. And again, it's it's just one of those things, uh, you know. Uh, if, 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 if anything I said triggers anybody to, to say, fucking, I'm going to fight for me and, uh, need to stick around. Mm -hmm. That's I'm, I'm happy to join you guys to do that. And, uh, you know, thanks Sharon and Lauren for reaching out and I'm, I'm, I'm tickle pink, uh, have a, have a listen, have, have a listen to my song and, uh, it's available. It's available on all platforms. And, uh, if I, I think, I think, I think fucking Spotify pays like 0.00038 of a cent for every spin. So so I'm really, I'm really going to really going to put this, yeah, I'm really going to put this over the top for mental health. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, well, you enjoy Great. the wilderness. Thank you for being here, even while you're, um, yeah. you know, taking the time to yourself. So we appreciate it. Awesome. Glad to have Bye. done Thank you. I was young once in my life. I never asked why. Some money grew on trees. But sometimes I fell to my knees. They say a road is built to last Why does it roll so fast? So many questions, why? Why do heroes have to die? Cause heroes are you and me And heroes are the best could be young look to us to be strong can the road be forever long in my life And I know the time flies by 
And no money don't grow on trees Scars cut down deep in my knees Cause heroes are you and me And heroes are the best they could be Young look to us to be strong can the road be forever long? The road's forever long. The heroes forever long. The road forever long. for this episode thanks so much for listening you can find us on instagram at from uniforms to unicorns uh, on all podcast platforms apple spotify speaker all of those also feel free to subscribe you'll be notified of new episodes that come out and we always love a review also feel free to share with anybody you would enjoy we also want to send a big thank you to jamie green for being our podcast editor and to Jeff Bale at Third Hell Music for our soundtrack. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great day. Love, Lauren and Sharon. Bye.